Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesapeake Baptist Church. We're currently going through the book of Ruth on Wednesday nights. We had some people that were going to be out of church this Wednesday who requested that I put the study on the podcast. So this is going through the first part of Ruth chapter 3 on our Wednesday night study of the book of Ruth. Please enjoy. tonight Ruth chapter 3 so last year there was a weather report and their weather reporter he worked for, he works for the weather channel his name was Mike Seidel Mike Seidel went to North Carolina to report on Hurricane Florence and he's out there and he's reporting on the news and He's, you know, he's fighting the wind, the wind's at his back, and he's got the microphone, and the wind's blowing him, and it, it looks like the wind's going to blow him over, and he's, he looks like he can't hardly stand up, and he's like, this is the worst it's been, this is the worst, it hadn't been no worse than this, and he, it looks like the hurricane's about to blow him away. Oh, right behind him walks into shot these two guys with their hands in their pockets, <laughs> they walk up and they look at him. They look at each other, and they casually walk to their car. And uh, so obviously, he's kind of punching it up for dramatic effect, obviously. Well, you know, him and the Weather Channel, they came up with some silly, silly excuses. Oh, he had been up all night, and he was on the grass, uneven ground. They were on concrete, and a bunch of silly, silly excuses. But what this really was in truth was the fake news media trying to spin the news, uh, trying to manipulate the news to fit their narrative. And that's exactly what was going on is the news was being manipulated. I mean, we, we can't even get an honest weather report here. You know, put Jim, I don't think Jim Cantori would do that. Put him out there. Just, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, uh, you can't even get an honest weather report anymore. Um, you know, and what that, and like I said, they're, they're manipulating it. And being a manipulator is actually, it's a clinical term. And let, let me tell you what, let me give you the psychologist definition of manipulation. Manipulation is the exercise of undue influence through mental distortion and emotional exploitation with the intention to seize power, control, benefits, and privileges at the victim's expense. That's what manipulation is. And let me tell you something. Psychologists they would have a field day with Naomi. Naomi was a master manipulator. You know, you read about Naomi's relationship in the book of, with Ruth in the book of Ruth, and something about it just doesn't make sense. You know, something sounds fishy. You know, my, uh, 
you know, some, you know, like my sister would say that, you know, their relationship is kind of sketch McGee, you know, that's what she says. And, you know, in, in chapter one, Naomi tries to make Ruth's choices for her and then Ruth shuts her down and then Naomi quits talking to her. Okay, then we come to chapter two and chapter two, Naomi sends Ruth out into a very dangerous situation without any warning. And then what happens is at the end of the chapter, we find out that Naomi has been deceitful the whole time because as it turns out, there is a kinsman's re a kinsman redeemer. So we find out at the end of the chapter two, there is a kinsman, kinsman redeemer. So Naomi is a master manipulator and she's using Ruth. She's using Ruth at every turn. And here we come to chapter three and guess what? Naomi the manipulator is at it again. Would you please read for me verses one through four, chapter three. I've got winnow with. Okay. Winnow is barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself therefore and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall take notice the place where he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. At first statement, it says, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? This is a rhetorical question. But this is a rhetorical question that's it's, it's designed to show Ruth that Naomi has her best interests at heart. It's a rhetorical question where Naomi says, Oh, Ruth, you know I am care about your well-being. Ruth, you know I really, really mean, I want the best for you. And that's a that's a, the first ploy a manipulator goes to. A manipulator, the first thing you're going to do is, oh, you know I would never do anything to hurt you, but... You know I would never put you in harm's way, but... You, you know I would never do this, but... And it's, it's a typical ploy of a manipulator. And you can't get away from the feeling that something is just not right about Naomi. I mean, yesterday she put Ruth in a dangerous situation without any warning. And now today she's telling her, oh, your best interest is my number one goal. Something's, something's off about that. The appropriate word would be disingenuous. And that's what Naomi is. She is disingenuous. And this, this, this tells... Uh, then, then she tells Ruth that Boaz is one of our kindred. Oh, now Boaz is one of our kindred. This is, this is something that Naomi left out. This conveniently is a detail that was left out of Naomi's woe is me speech. When she did this woe is me speech, this detail wasn't in it. If you want to, you can go back to Ruth 1, 11 through 13 and see. There was, no, there was no mention of a kinsman redeemer there, but Naomi knew the whole time. Now Naomi knows 
where Boaz is. She knows that Boaz is going to be winnowing the barley. Now, what would happen is, is when they would gather the crop and gather the barley, they would take the barley up to the top of a hill. It'd be the, the hill would be a hard surface, maybe a hard, flat, rocky surface at the top of the hill. And also at the top of the hill, there's a lot of wind. So what, how they would winnow the wheat is they would take the fork, take a big fork, and they'd grab the barley and they'd throw it up in the air. And the wind would come through and it'd blow the chaff and it'd blow all the bad stuff off, but the heavy kernels of barley would fall to the ground. Now, they did this, the cool, breezing nights were better to do this than the hot, harsh days. So usually when you winnow wheat, you did it at night. Not only this, but she, Naomi also knew that the men would sleep out with the product while it was being winnowed to keep not only animals from eating it, but also keeping thieves from, from stealing it. And so Naomi says, Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee. Look. Ruth's not going to the field to work. She's not going to the field to work. Naomi's got something else in mind, okay? Uh, we see from other examples in the Old Testament that the actions of verse 3 have to do with seduction. Okay, we see that in the Old Testament. Now, um, Naomi says, tells Ruth to get thee down to the floor. Naomi has every intention of sending Ruth to Boaz that very night. Now, there are many preachers and there are many writers that try to absolve Naomi from any wrongdoing. They try to justify her actions and they, you know, they try to say that, no, Naomi's motives, they weren't questionable. They, 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 weren't, uh, they weren't questionable motives or actions. They were, that's, just how, that's just how people did things back then. I've heard preachers preach that before. That's just how they did things back then. You know, pre many preachers and writers say that, but you know what? No one can explain. No one can explain why she has to go down there at night. Why does she have to go down there during the in the cover of darkness? Why does she have to go that night? Why can't it wait till the next daytime? Why can't it wait at, uh, in a week? Why has she got to go at night under the cover of darkness? You know, we discussed last night, or last night, last week, that harvest time was a pretty rough and rowdy time. The men are out in the field, away from their families. There's plenty of food, plenty of money, and plenty of booze. Perfect time for illicit behavior. What would happen is as these men are out in the field at night, the prostitutes would come out into the field, and they would offer their services. Now, Boaz understood the, you know, the potential scandal. He understood that, that you know, he understood that, you know, the scandal of a nighttime visit, because, you know, after all, Boaz wasn't just a laborer. He was a bigwig. Boaz was a, was a top guy. And that's why he said in 314, he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. He knew what that meant. OK, so let's not pretend that this isn't what it clearly is. 
This is what it is. This is what Naomi's intention is. Make no mistake, Naomi is coaching Ruth. She's coaching Ruth. She tells her to hide herself until he's, he's eat and he's drunk and he's, and he's drunk all the, all the, the drink and he's, he's fat and happy and in a good mood. And then when everybody's asleep under the cover of night, sneak over and uncover his feet and lie beside him and all the secrecy and all the deception, it just adds to the suggestiveness of the night. Um, I need somebody with a King James Bible to read verse four again. Go ahead. These words, they are loaded with sexual overtones. They're loaded with it. The Hebrew word for lieth down is found eight times in this chapter. Eight times it's in there. You know where it's also found? It's also found the story of David and Bathsheba. It's also found in the story of Lot and his daughters. It's also found the story of Amnon and Tamar. The word uncover refers to fornication in the Old Testament multiple times. Okay? And while the uncovering of the feet may seem innocent to me and you, although... A little bit strange. Um, uh, back then, it was very suggestive. It's a very suggestive thing when you uncovered somebody's feet. Lot daughters, David Bathsheba, Amnon, and Tamar. Now, the phrase, lay thee down, that's similar to an English expression that me and you know, meaning to sleep with someone. It's, 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 it's very similar to that. Now, alone by themselves, all these instructions might be innocent enough. But when you add them all together, it's not pretty. At the very best, Naomi is urging Ruth to act disgracefully. And this is at the very least. Listen what she's doing. Without saying the words, she is trying to put Ruth in a position where, quote unquote, nature will take its course. That's what she's, the situation she's putting Ruth in. Ruth is to do whatever it takes to gain the favor and services of Boaz. Naomi's got it all figured out. The master manipulator has spoken and Ruth says, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Next, would you please, please uh, Miss Kelly, if you please read uh, chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 for me. Now, I didn't hear if you said this word, but in verse 6, in, in my Bible, it says, did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Is bade, bade, what did you say, bade? Uh, no, it says, uh, so she went down to the threshing floor and did according Well, that's, that's it's, it's the same word, uh, the same word in the, uh, the Hebrew. Uh, that This word, in, in my Bible, it's bade. Um, the root of this word is a commandment. Okay, so Naomi is issuing her orders 
and Ruth is to obey them to the letter. So Boaz enjoys his meal. He drinks his drink. He's in a good mood. He goes down and he goes and lays down on a pile of corn. Now look, when we was on vacation, all the beds we slept in were super soft. They were like pillowy, soft, feathery, comfy beds. Now, that sounds like a good thing, but not for me. It is not a good thing for me. I can't sleep on my back because of my apnea. I have to sleep on my stomach. So I have to, this is how I sleep at night, just, just off and never, never land. This is how I sleep. And when you sleep in a soft bed, you sink in. So instead of me being like this, I'm like, you know, and I wake up in the morning and, and my shoulders are sore and my arms are sore every day. I was so thankful to get home to my nice, firm bed. So me and Boaz have something in common. We like firm beds. I take it you don't. No. <laughs> but I love me a nice, firm bed. So Boaz lays down on the corn and then she, she had marked where he sleeps. And a little bit later, she comes in there. She softly uncovers his feet. She lays down next to him. And that's all she does. She doesn't do anything else. She doesn't do what Naomi expected her to. I tell you this. She did what Naomi told her to do, but she did not go where Naomi wanted her to go. She did what she wanted her to do, but she didn't go where Naomi wanted her to go. Look, she, she doesn't have to flirt. She doesn't have to seduce. She doesn't have to sexually degrade herself to get what she wants from a man. She doesn't have to do that. And although Naomi's instructions were full of suggestive behavior, Ruth does them without compromising her purity and without compromising Boaz's reputation. Ruth will never go to that level. And we'll, we find that in Ruth the, ele Ruth the 11. Why? The Bible says that Ruth is a virtuous woman. A virtuous woman is a woman of noble character. A virtuous woman is a strong woman. A virtuous woman is a worthy woman. A virtuous woman is a good woman. A virtuous woman is a Proverbs 31 woman. And while our modern pagan culture mocks a virtuous woman, a man like Boaz admires a virtuous woman. Whoever wants to read next, if you read verse 8, please. If you want to read this again. Now it's midnight. Boaz wakes up and there's a woman laying next to him. Now keep in mind the times. This is the book of Judges where this happens. This was the time when men did that which were right in their own eyes. One might expect that a man during this time, the book of Judges, would love to wake up and see a woman right next to him. One would think that. But you know what Boaz didn't do? He didn't do what was right in his own eyes. He'd leave that for someone like Samson. He didn't do what was right in his own eyes. Um, because uh, with a strange woman... Hold on. Okay. 
Because he woke up, he saw this strange woman. You know what his first reaction was? He was afraid. He, 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 he was afraid. That was his first knee-jerk reaction. This is a great reaction. This is a great reaction to have. He's afraid of losing his testimony. That's, his, that's the first place his mind goes to. He's afraid of dishonoring God. He's afraid of displeasing God. The fear of God is instinctively his first reaction, and that is the greatest reaction to have. That was his knee-jerk reaction was the fear of God. Instead of thinking, oh, I can get away with it. Instead of thinking, oh, nobody will ever know. He, Boaz knows that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, Proverbs 15, 3. That's where Boaz's mind went to. He is, well, you know why he's afraid? He's afraid because he's a virtuous man. So here we have the virtuous man, meaning the virtuous woman. The virtuous man meeting the virtuous woman doesn't make for a good Hollywood blockbuster movie. To them, that'd be kind of boring, okay? When you have a man that has a love for Christ and you have a woman that has a heart for the will of God, that doesn't make for a compelling Hollywood story. And you know what else? It's amazing that the virtuous man and the virtuous woman, they can trust God to be a matchmaker. They don't need FarmersOnly.com, okay? You ever try to get that jingle out of your head? You don't have to be lonely at FarmersOnly.com. You're welcome. I skipped through all those commercials. But, but they, they don't need FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> Is he in the field again? What's he doing? He needs no. Uh, that's the horses talking, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, this, this, this amazing story, it's about to take an unexpected turn. Verse number nine next, please. Now, the Hebrew word for skirt it's the same word, if you remember back in chapter 2, verse 12, where God said he would spread his wings over Ruth to protect her. That word skirt and the word wings, it's the same Hebrew word. What you have is a lost, pagan, Moabitess woman. She is turned from her wicked evil, false idols. She's turned to the living Savior God, Jehovah of Israel. She's put her trust in that saving God of Israel, Jehovah. And because she put her trust in that God, Jehovah, that Jehovah God has spread his wings over her soul and is protecting her soul. So now, just like that, she knows that Jehovah is protecting her soul. She is asking Boaz to protect her physically. And she's learned to trust in Jehovah for eternity. Now she's willing to trust in Boaz for today. She came to the Lord with absolutely nothing to offer. And how did she come to Boaz? As a handmaiden, as a slave girl. Naomi had told Ruth, he will tell thee what thou shalt do. 
Ruth isn't taking any chances here. Ruth isn't going to wait for Boaz to figure it out. She's going to go ahead and put her cards on the table and put it on the line. She looks at Boaz and says, you're a kindred. He said, you're a kin. She said, you're, basically, you're a kinsman redeemer. That's what you are. And, and when she told Boaz that, in essence, what she's telling Boaz is, Boaz, it is your duty to repurchase the land that Elimelech sold. It is your duty to take care of me and to take care of Naomi. It is your duty as the Redeemer to do this. So now, Boaz finds himself at a crossroads. Boaz has a choice to make. On the one hand, you have the Word of God. Word of God is the law of the land. And the law of the land says he is to repurchase the land, he's to take care of Naomi, he's to take care of Ruth. That's what the Word of God says. And on the other hand is a whole laundry list of human excuses why he shouldn't do that, the least of which is his old age. M&M's or Skittles? It's the midnight hour, and Boaz has a choice to make. He may be an older man, but guess what? Even older men must choose whom they may serve. And look, choices are not just for teenagers, okay? So Boaz steps up to the plate, and he knocks it out of the park. Verses 10 through 11, please. This is not simply an honorable man fulfilling the obligations of the law. This is not just a um, this is not just a generous man extending charity to a destitute family. Boaz says, "Ruth, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm not going to do it because the law told me to. I'm not going to do it because I'm giving your family charity." He says, I'm doing it just for you. You are the reason I'm doing it. I'm doing it for you. And in doing that, Boaz, the mighty man, the head honcho, the guy that's in charge, he becomes a servant now. So now Boaz is taking the place of a servant. This mighty man of wealth now he's going to meet the needs of this Moabitess woman. You know what this gives us a glimpse of? This gives us a glimpse of the man that 2 Corinthians 8 9 speaks of, where it says, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. M&Ms or Skittles? Even older men have to make the right choices. That's all I've got for tonight. I apologize if it was a little short. Does anybody have any questions or comments? The other thing you were talking about in comparison was, for you have shown more kindness at the end 
than at the beginning. That reminds me of the turning the water into wine. Yep. You saved the best for last instead of serving it in, in the beginning. Amen. Go ahead. How do you know it was midnight hour? I mean, how did they know what time of night it was? I'm just curious. Right. Really, because they didn't have no time back. You know, it was right. a sundial. Yeah, the sundial works on the sun. Right. <laughs> it was a big moon dial. Or. <laughs> You know, you got another thing you got to, you know, this is the first thought that pops in my head. Today, there's a lot of light pollution in the world because of cities and streetlights and stuff. They didn't have that back then. So the SARS were crystal clear every night. And, you know, when you don't have a watch or an iPhone, I bet you probably get used to looking at the stars, knowing what time of year it was and say, oh, you know. Right. From our vantage point, the moon doesn't move every night. It stays in the same spot. So that's that's another good. That's yeah. So that's. You know. You know, I I, I saw, a scientist say one time, that the symbol of you know about infinity, and he said there are no infinities. Everything is numbered. Of course, that's how a scientist's mind works. Everything, even the stars, they're numbered. There's nothing is infinite. He said, and even the symbol of infinity, he said these words, you'll never see that symbol in nature. It doesn't exist. Well, then somebody took a snapshot of the sun every day for a year at the same time. And as the sun traces through the sky, it makes the symbol of infinity. That's where I thought that was interesting. Numbers are infinite. So there is something that's infinite. It has infinity to it. Numbers. Right. Every number. There's no, there's no end to numbers. Right. That's true, too. No. Well, and it's referred to, time is referred to in several places in the Bible. Even, um, I think it was in John where it talks about the men sleeping. They couldn't stay up and pray with him. I think at that point he's mentioning something about a time frame there, like what what hour mm -hmm. it was at the ninth hour, mm -hmm. or even at the We have such distractions, like you say. We have such distractions today, and you know, uh, what is it? Not natural, not natural light. We have man-made light now mm -hmm. that takes up the illumination of the sky. We don't have to look up anymore. You know, mm -hmm. you know and they, uh, sometimes in the Bible you see it was about the ninth watch, or they may not can tell you what hour and minute and second it is, but they knew what three hour time frame they were in. So, all right. Any, any other questions? So it's like Junior said, you put the red dress on Samson. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Is you want a chance? I read this before was, then it shall be when he lies down, you shall you shall uh, notice where the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And then when he turns over, he's startled, 
and there's a woman lying at his feet. So I just read that as before as that's it. She uncovered his feet, she laid down at his feet, and I just thought that was just some ritual or whatever, whatever that meant back then. Mm-hmm. And the worst that could happen was playing footsies, and that was it. But you gave me too much information. <laughs> and I think... But yeah, you look at it, that's really right. what she was up and, to. And that's what you're saying... Her, don't make yourself known to him right. until after you've been eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. I, never, I never looked well, that, you, you that look deep the into it. Why didn't she come to him in the daytime? Why didn't she go straight to him when they got... She could have just as easily went up to her in the day and said, Hey, your kinsman. Yep. You are our kinsman redeemer, and we mm-hmm. need you to redeem us. Right. You, you do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Naomi was trying to, she didn't want to take the chance of him saying no. Is that she wanted to hook him. Is that something that would normally have been done, you think? Like if she was a true widow, uh, not just her, but any true widow would have sought out the kinsman redeemer? It's the law. So that's, yeah. you know. So Right. 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 And another thing is Naomi loved attention. When she walked in, everybody fawned over her. Woe is me. Call me Mara. Don't call. Yeah, she loved it. She loved it. She ate it up. So. Also, if you think about it, if, if that path would have worked the way she wanted it, well, that's more like, uh, I got the dirt on you, you're a fine, upstanding, virtuous man, but yet here you are with Ruth in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. But Ruth didn't do exactly what she said to do. Right. So that didn't work. According to her. You meant I just never thought about God it. Yeah. For good. I just never thought about it. It also shows you that he had already recognized Right. And knowing what she was doing and taking care of him, right. he knew that mm-hmm. she was different already. She wasn't mm-hmm. like why don't the other men do one of those things we've said in the past so many times? Your reputation will precede you whether good or bad. So she already had a reputation, Ruth did, with Boaz as mm-hmm. being a, an upstanding woman. Mm-hmm. And obviously Naomi also had a reputation as well. Right. 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 He was the man with the plane and the money. He was the big fish. Yeah. He he no we ain't not. She wanted him before she ever got married to Elimelech and all this was it Elimelech? Elimelech. There's a reason why they in our lives ain't no That's true, huh? <laughs> <laughs> too much into Your mind can go down the rabbit hole. That's it doesn't right. matter. You know, right. But stick, stick to the scripture. Right. You ain't never laid in my feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Cover up your feet, maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Grace Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this wonderful story in the Bible. 
Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we study this book. May we glean from it what you would have us have. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Redeemer. Francis, be with us as we go home. Protect us. Bring us back safe at your appointed hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.